We are at week, uh, week two of a four-week series entitled Grudges. Grudges. And today, of course, is part two of that, that series. I probably should get rid of my phone because it's going to ring and I'm going to answer it. And that way I won't answer it. <clears throat> I believe, I personally believe, with all of my heart, I really believe that God is always looking to do a supernatural work in our lives. I mean, there's one thing that we're just dealing with regular issues of day to day, and sometimes that's overwhelming. But I believe that God is always looking to do a supernatural work in our lives. By the way, if you don't have your uh, smartphone and all that other stuff, we're going to be projecting everything behind me. But if you want to follow along, it says in, in uh, Galatians, uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, says these words, being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? Listen to it one more time because this is incredible. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, God is fully prepared to do a good and excellent and a complete work in you and me that will bring life change and that will bring the fullness of life into our lives. God has prepared to do a, a, a good and an excellent and a complete work in you and in me for each of us. In one way or another though, I know that, that we all often um, are held captive to some of the things of our past where someone has betrayed us, someone has lied to us, someone has hurt us, and all of that just seems to cause grudges. Now, let me define to you grudge. In this, in this particular context of this series, to hold a grudge is to harbor persistent and continual resentment or ill feelings towards someone, especially for some slight or wrongdoing that they have committed in the past. You see, all of us, all of us have a past. All of us have been hurt all of us live with guilt and shame, with regret of our past. All of us have made poor choices. All of us have been given all kinds of labels in our lives. And that being said, I want to say to you, listen now. God's power is always greater than your past. Whatever those things are from yesterday, whatever the baggage is that's, that you carry around because of mistakes and decisions and all that other stuff that you regret today, God's power is always greater than your past. And God's truth and forgiveness sets the captive free. If we would live in the truth, if we would deal with truth, it says we're going to be free. We're going to be free. This particular series called Grudges comes out of Life Church. And uh, last week, the message, last week was message number one. Um, I, shared, I shared all of that. That was 100% me that gave that message. Today, and part two, because Craig Rochelle did such an phenomenal job. I'm going to use quite a bit of his stuff today. I think that this is great. I think we need to hear this. I think you're going to be set free. So I'm really, really excited about this opportunity. Today's message personally is a heavy one. This is a heavy one. It's not an easy word that we're going to be dealing with. And that word that we're dealing with is this thing called forgiveness. We're dealing with forgiveness. And I personally believe that forgiveness is not an easy su subject <clears throat> ever. Go with me to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verse 1. It's telling us, Jesus is, is telling his disciples, times are going to get tough for you. Things are going to begin to happen in your life that's going to make you uncomfortable. In fact, it might even cause some grudges in your life. It may happen that way. 
So go with me to Luke chapter 17, verse 1. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus said to his disciples, things that, are, uh, things that cause, let me do it again. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. It's going to happen is what Jesus is saying. There's going to be those days. There, there's going to be uh, things that are going to happen that will disappoint you. There's going to be things that are going to happen that are going to hurt you as a Christ follower, as a believer. There's going to be those things that are going to let you down. It's just going to let you down. Go with me to, to verse 3 of that same chapter, Luke chapter 17, verse 3. And again, so watch yourselves, Jesus says. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. Now, let me just stop there just for a moment. Because what Jesus is talking about here, when he says, if there's an offense and there's something going on, you need to rebuke them. Now, what the Lord is saying is something like this. He's saying when he says rebuke them, you need to deal with the offense. If somebody comes up to you and they're saying something that is not true, that is not accurate, they're accusing you of this, they're saying this or that, you are to rebuke them. And it doesn't mean you grab them and shake them and say, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. That's, that's not what you do. But what you are going to do is that you're going to deal with the offense. And uh, you, you, God doesn't want you and I to act like nothing happened. He doesn't want us to live life like that. However, you cover yourself so that you don't get involved. He wants you to confront whatever those issues are. He wants you to deal with it is what Jesus is saying. Because we as Christ followers, we, we try to make things right it is our conviction within our heart to do the best that we can to correct the wrongs. And not, it doesn't have to be nasty. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be with, with yelling and screaming and swearing. It doesn't need to be that way. Our goal is always going to be reconciliation, which is a right relationship that we would have with one another. Then Jesus goes a little bit deeper. And in my humble opinion, where Jesus goes deeper, I think it's a little bit overboard. In fact, I think it's incredibly challenging. Go with me to verse 4 of that same chapter, Luke chapter 17, verse 4. And then he says this, even if they sin against you seven times in a day. Stop. Did you hear that? Jesus said, Jesus said, even if they sin against you seven times in a day, in a day. Now, I go back, if I was to go back 25, 30 years ago when I was still in high school, all right, maybe I exaggerated that. Um, I had a slogan, I had a saying, I did it all the time, I really did. If anybody hurt me, if anybody did anything to me, my, my words that tumbled off my lips was, I don't get mad, I just get even. And, and I would, you know, I, a lot I would, you know, I'm sure some, and this is before I was serving Christ. This is, this is my, old, my old self. But I would say, I, would, I, I don't get mad, I, I just get even. But the truth of the matter is, this, this particular verse that we're dealing with, Jesus isn't giving me any slack here. It doesn't look like I can say that. It doesn't look like I can have that kind of an attitude that I have. You see, I, I, believe, I believe that the disciples, when they're hearing Jesus say some of these things, it's like their eyes are wide open, man. They can't believe what they're hearing. Go with me to, to Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verse 4, not Ephesians, excuse me. Go with me to Luke here where we're talking about this. Again, um, in verse 4, even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent. Jesus said, you must 
forgive them. You must forgive them. This series is not easy. Dealing with forgiveness is not easy. Jesus is saying to us, should they come to you seven times? Should that person come to you seven times? Can you get it? And they say, I repent for what I just said. I repent for what I just did. Jesus, the son of God, he says, you are to forgive them. You are to forgive them. In other words, you need to just let it go. And then the disciples, when they're hearing all of this, to me it's hilarious what they say, but in verse, chapter 17, verse 5, I'm not reading the verse yet, but here's what the disciples said. They said, increase our faith. As they're sitting here listening to Jesus saying, you know what, tough times are going to come. There's going to be people who are going to offend you and people who are going to hurt you. But you need to realize that if and when people start coming to you and are, are offensive and doing, correct what is wrong, but you need to also realize that when they are coming to you and I about an issue and they have sinned against us and they confess that sin, Jesus says, you're to let it go. If they offend you, if they've hurt you, you need to just let it go. And they said, the disciples said, then increase our faith, God, because I don't know if I can do that on a regular basis. Maybe on a Sunday morning when there's a few people hanging around, I might be able to, I don't know if I could just do this on a regular basis. So God, we need more faith to do what you want us to do, Lord. The title of today's message is, is called The Faith to Forgive. <clears throat> the Faith to Forgive. So let me ask you. Who betrayed you? Who has hurt you? Who lied to you? Who lied about you? Who has mistreated you? Who has taken advantage of you? Could it be a boyfriend, an old boyfriend, old girlfriend? Could it be a boyfriend who not only lied to you, but also lied about you? Who could have been Possibly a spouse that you trusted. You trusted him. You trusted her. And then you know they betrayed you. And it crushed your heart. It could have been an authority figure in your life. An authority figure in your life that you greatly admired. And instead of them protecting you, which is what you were anticipating them to do, they touched you inappropriately. And in their twisted, sick way of doing that, somehow they made you think that all of this was your thought, all of this was your fault. Who betrayed you? Do we really need to forgive something like that? Something that, that significant when they don't deserve it? Is God expecting that of me? Is God expecting that of all of us? How do we forgive if they are still doing things that are wicked and evil? If you have been betrayed in a significant way, I want to admit to you that more than likely, I don't know what it is that you're going through. I don't want to know. I'm not asking any of that at all. But I also want you to know that you are, that, that um, I have an, a sense of an understanding as to how to deal with some of these situations in life for two reasons. Number one, because of my own personal experiences that I've had in my life, as well as the fact that I've been pastoring for 38 years. And I've dealt with a lot of people, a lot of situations beyond 
my wildest imaginations when people would come to me and talk about forgiveness. Unbelievable. I want to tell you two quick stories that I'm going to begin them in the beginning of this message like I am right now, but I'm going to conclude with it. I want to tell you a couple of my experiences. My first experience I'm going to share with you is my grandfather. My grandfather, who was actually literally my mother's stepfather. My mother's stepfather. He was a hard worker. And when he would get drunk, he would be a mean, mean man. He would be a mean man. I don't know exactly how old I was. It could be eight, nine, ten years old. I'm, I was young. But I remember this just like it was yesterday. I see the images. As I'm writing this down on my notes last night, I've got tears coming to my eyes. I'm remembering what this was. It was horrifying. I walked into my mother and uh, my grandmother and grandfather's trailer, which is about 50 to 80 feet away from my mother, my mother and father's home. And uh, as I'm walking into the home and into that house, as I walked into that trailer, I see my sweet grandmother in a rocking chair, just in a rocking chair. We loved that grandma. She was amazing. She was an amazing woman. And I walked into that home, and as I walked into that home, I can hear my grandfather yelling and screaming at the, tongue, at the top of his lungs. He's screaming, and he's cursing, and he's swearing. He's yelling at my grandmother, and then he begins to hit her. He literally is hitting her on the side of her face as she is listening to what he is doing. And I, I'm just a kid, man. I don't even know what to do with this. And I start crying, and I start hitting him. I'm punching him, and I'm hitting him, and I'm saying to him, you are so mean, you are so mean. And all of a sudden, he stopped. And my grandmother just cried. The second quick example. Most of us in this room that know that Marianne and I are high school sweethearts, my beautiful wife, madly in love with one another. And we got married in, in, uh, way back in 1973. And shortly after we were married, I could sense, I could sense that there's some issue that Marianne is dealing with. I, I didn't know what it was. I had no clue. But I knew something was going on. Something had happened to her. Again, I had no clue. And finally, Marianne told me. She told me that there was a man connected to her family who accosted her and had abused her as a middle-aged teenager and even a little bit older. Now, I don't know what you think. And you're going to have to listen to the ugly side of me because you're going to hear it. I was explosive when I heard that. I literally, I knew the man. I never liked him from the moment I saw him. I wanted to go to his house and I literally wanted to kill him for what she told me. I literally wanted to kill him because of what he said or, or what he did. So I've got Marianne, my precious wife, and I have my grandmother, two people that I deeply, deeply love, that I deeply love. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it's really hard to forgive. My grandfather was a big man. And my grandmother was not a big woman. She was small. And with that vision in my mind, even this is, this is all coming up 
again as it was many years ago. It's not easy to forgive. For me personally, especially, two of the greatest women of my life who mean everything to me, they were assaulted by two different men who were nothing but cowards. That's all what they were. I'll come back to this in a little bit. The problem that we all deal with is this thing called forgiveness. The problem that we deal with in forgiveness is that God's way of dealing with forgiveness is so different than the way of the world. This message, I believe, is going to be painful. I think it's going to be gut-wrenching for some of us. I believe that it may even be agonizing, again, for some of us. Yet Jesus makes it crystal clear. As followers of Christ, the Bible says, Jesus says, we are to forgive. We are to forgive. Let me give you three different portions of Scripture. I'll be very quick with this. It says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That sounds pretty good to me. (laughs) But, he says, I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. We find in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, this is the Apostle Paul, and Paul says these words. Paul says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. These are the commands of the Son of God. These are the commands for most of us in this room who are Jesus followers. This is the way we're supposed to live our life. If you're not a Jesus follower, you don't have to do any of this. But if you're a follower, you and I need to live our lives like this. And then the third scripture that I'm going to give you is found again in Matthew, but this time in chapter 6. Jesus says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, listen, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you and I have an offense coming our way and we really have a good heart and a good attitude, I'm in a pretty good mood right now, so I think, yeah, I forgive you. Yeah, yeah, you're forgiven. No problem, it's all right. But then Jesus goes on to say these words. And then he goes on to say, "Um, but... If you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. No wiggle room here. This is what Jesus says. God clearly tells us that we need to forgive. And if that's true, if that's true, if you are to just truly forgive, then what does it really mean? What does it really mean to forgive somebody? What do we do and how do we do it? And what does it mean to forgive somebody. Craig Groeschel in his message challenges us at this particular time. He, he challenges us to start with, to start with what it does not mean. So I'm going to take his lead because I think it's really good and I think it's going to help you too as much as it helped me as I was going through some of this these last couple of weeks. What it, what it does not mean, what forgiveness is not. Number one, forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not forget, forgetting. To forgive doesn't mean that your mind should just should forget all of the hurt and all of the pain, all of the casualties that you have dealt with with that individual in your life or those people, whoever they, they may be. It's not saying that it never happened. It's not sweeping it under the rug. It's not saying that that, that, that person uh, wasn't completely wrong, wasn't completely sinful with what they did. It's not saying that you have, have to be a doormat for the rest of your life. And listen to this. Forgiveness is not saying you have to allow them to continue to abuse you and to continue to hurt you. 
I'm going to say it again because I didn't get one amen from anybody. And my heart is stirred. Forgiveness is not saying that you have to allow them to continue to abuse you and to hurt you. And it is not saying that you have to allow them to continually verbally abuse you. That is not what this is saying. It is not saying that. Or where typically, typically men distort scriptures and the roles of a husband and wife relationship. In other words, he's going to get what he wants because that's what the Bible says. And it's a lie and it's a distraction from the truth. It's not saying that you are just to smile and to keep taking all the abuse, the vile and wicked lies and the schemes that he has been telling you. That's not what God says. That's not what this is about. That is not what forgiveness is. But you can actually forgive someone and still create some healthy boundaries. You can forgive someone and say, yes, I've let it go. I've let it go, but, but we need to, to build trust to get, get us to where we were before because all of all the consequences of what you have done with me and to me in the past. We can forgive and still need to build relationships over time. In other words, forgiveness is not always forgetting. Forgiveness is not always just forgetting. What else is forgiveness is not? Forgiveness isn't fair. Forgiveness isn't always fair. There's nothing fair about it at all. There's nothing fair. When you forgive somebody, many times I who am forgiving you, I'm not happy that I'm forgiving you, but I have to because God wants me to and I wanna be obedient to God. I want to be obedient to God. There's nothing fair about it at all. I'll sort of use a story like, I just let you off the hook for no reason whatsoever. Everything you did that was wrong, now I've lost it all. I've lost it all, and it's not fair. You see, in my book, in Randy Chiz's book years ago, but in Randy Chiz's book, oh, it's fair. It's fair to pay them back, though. In other words, you hit me in the face, you've got one coming back at you, buddy. It's going to happen. If you do that to me, it's going to happen. If you hurt my wife, I'm telling you, my boys, my kids, my sons, they knew they are never to disrespect my, my wife, their mother. And I would tell them that, just so you know. This is my wife. We made a promise together. You're going to come and you're going to go. <laughs> but we're together forever. <laughs> She's my woman. And I'm her man. You hurt my wife, my kids, or my grandchildren, justice says, I'm going to do something about it. You're not going to get away with it. This is, how, this is how I was. I'm not like that still. I get it, comes up every now and then. But for the most part, I've got victory. Some of you say, thank God the pastor has some victory because some of you are saying, this guy is weird, man. I don't know what he's going to do next. But Jesus says, again, Jesus says, pray for your enemies. Pray for you, not just retaliate. That's what the world does. We're to pray for our enemies. Oh, that's fair. Okay, I'll, I'll pray for my enemies. You know what I'm going to pray? I'm going to pray that their butt is filled with hemorrhoids and your, their ears as well. That's what's fair. <laughs> Can you get hemorrhoids in your ears? Any, any doctors in the house? 
God isn't always fair. And it's interesting, it's interesting that we actually like that because when God's not fair, when we're in the wrong, we get a pass. But the fact of the matter is, the Bible tells us that, that God isn't always fair. But I want you to know that God is always just. God is always just, but he's not always fair. If God was always fair, was always fair then I would have to get what my sin deserves. He's not always fair, but he is always just. God is always just. Go with me to Psalm 103, verse 10 through 12. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our, to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Forgiveness is not the same as forgetting. Forgiveness isn't always fair. So then what is forgiveness? What is forgiveness? Listen, forgiveness is giving others what God gave to you. Forgiving is what, give, uh, forgiving is forgiving others with what God has. Uh, let me say it again. Forgiveness is giving to others what God gave to you. Forgiveness is offering to other people the same that God has offered to each of us. It's that kind of an approach. That's what forgiveness is. I need to remember what God has done in my life. I need to remember how God has forgiven me of a wicked past, of a wicked sinful past. God has forgiven me of all of that, and I need to be a forgiver as well. So let me ask all of you a question. Let me ask all of you who may be here as a believer, a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're not a follower yet, or maybe you're just a guest. Maybe this is your first Sunday, and I feel sorry for you that you got to listen to me today. But let me ask you, let me ask you this. <coughs> Have you ever been forgiven? Have you ever been forgiven? Have you ever been forgiven of everything? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being forgiven of everything? Would somebody either shake their head yes or no? I'm shaking my head no. I can't believe it. Randy Chiz can't believe that I've been forgiven of everything, although I have been. I have been. Have you been the beneficiary of, of the mercy and the goodness of our great God who has forgiven you? Have you ever been a part of that? I'm going somewhere with this. So listen. I know I don't know every single person who attends Word of Life. I may know you by face. I may know you by name. But I don't know every single person. And after 37 years of uh, ministry... Experience tells me that there just might be, there just might be some who attend Word of Life who think, no, Pastor, I'm good. I got it. No, I got it. It's, it's all right. I'm all set. Everything for me is perfect. Yeah, man. I mean, everything for me is perfect. And you may be young or you may be old. Listen, if you're perfect, if everything is perfect, perfect for you. If you've got it all together, before you leave, I, I want you to just stay here. I want you to just sit here in this room with us. I want you to stay in this room. And uh, because of your self-righteousness that you have in your life, I want you to just sit there and relax a little bit. And if you want, you can take the, 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 the halo off and you can polish that a little bit while you're sitting there listening to me ramble. And by the way, you perfect specimen of human life, I want to say to you, and I'm serious, please don't come back here to Word of Life. 
because Word of Life Church is a place for imperfect people. This is a place for forgiven people. This is a place for loving people. This is a place where God's grace. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause. It's true. It's who we are. And I don't know what what all these other people that attend Word of Life, again, many are not here today, but I don't know who all of them are and what they've been forgiven of. But Jesus knows what this guy who's speaking to you right now, what he's been forgiven of. My list is long, but I'm going to cut it very short, very quickly. I want to let you know what I've been forgiven of. I've been forgiven of lying and deceiving and cheating and cursing and swearing. I did some drugs in my teenage years, but I drank a lot of beer for many years, pretty much addicted to it. I got caught up in pornography as a teenager, and it continued with me into my early 20s. And I want to let you know that, that uh, sometimes I even still have those lustful thoughts of looking at that kind of stuff. And I hate myself for it, that I even saw it in the very beginning. I still get angry, and I get especially angry with following people who don't drive as good as me. And I still get mad about that. But, but, even greater than some of the sins that I've just shared with you, I've experienced grace. I've experienced forgiveness from God that I don't deserve. God has made me the richest man on the planet. Not only did he save me, save my soul, at 16 years old on July July uh, 5th, 1971, in the south side of Philadelphia. But I also, I also married my high school sweetheart. And she is the most incredible, amazing woman on the planet. And I mean that. I know, sir, you'd want to argue with me, and we can argue all day, but I'm going to win. My wife is the greatest. We are inseparable. We are inseparable. And we're, I'm madly in love with her. And my wife is madly in love with me, too. I'm a rich man because I have four kids, and my four kids have all been married, and I, by the way, have 15 grandchildren as well. I'm a rich man. And the God of heaven has called me to pastor this amazing church for nearly 28 years now. June 1st, 2020 is going to be my 28th anniversary of pastoring this church, and I'm telling you, I'm a rich man. I'm a rich man because of all that God has done for me. I have experienced such grace, amazing grace from God. So what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is given to others the very same thing that our very generous and loving God has given to each of us. It is the power of the gospel. In 1 John 1, 9, 1 John 1, 9, and it says these words, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. From all unrighteousness. <clears throat> so the question is, what is sin? Well, the word sin comes from the Greek word, and it has an archery term to it all. And it simply means you've missed the mark. When you and I sin, whatever your sin is, you're missing the mark. I miss the mark. I miss it daily. I miss the mark. And missing the mark simply means that if you're shooting an arrow, you can miss it this much, or you could miss it this much, but you're missing the mark. And every one of us in this room have missed the mark, one way or another. And we need to confess that to God. I can't encourage you enough. Take this seriously, what I'm saying. You need to confess this to God. You need to say to God, I'm sorry. Go outside and walk into your yard. Walk down the street, whatever it is. Don't talk too loud because they'll take you away. But just, just talk and say to God something like this. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry that I've sinned against you. I'm sorry that I've done wrong. I'm sorry that I've been hateful. I'm sorry that I'm lust-filled at times. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I lied. I'm sorry that I betrayed others. I'm sorry, God. And I mean it. I'm sorry. I don't want to do that anymore. The Bible says if we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Forgiveness is, is giving to others what God has given to you. So the gospel isn't just about receiving forgiveness, it's also about giving, giving forgiveness. It's not just that you receive forgiveness, but that coworker, that family member, that neighbor, they receive forgiveness from you. It's not just only about us receiving good grace and forgiveness, it's also about giving his grace to others. His grace to others. Forgiveness doesn't just flow to us, but forgiveness with Jesus is to flow through us. You need, sir, and you need, ma'am, to quickly be one that says, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. It flows through us. It's undeserved mercy and grace, goodness to us that flows through us to others. It's how God works. One of the ways that God works in fact, Jesus says this in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, say it with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And forgive us, did I, I, did I skip a verse here? Well, go with me to this part. And forgive us of our trespasses. <laughs> I'm, I, please don't be offended if you're a Catholic. I'm not trying to be offensive. I was raised a Catholic. I know that prayer inside and out, except for in front of you. <laughs> and forgive us, say it with me, and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Do you mean it? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Do you mean it? It is really a prayer. Is that really a prayer that you pray? Forgive me just like I forgive them is what you just said. As I forgive others, forgive my boss who I despise right now because of what he's done to me. Forgive me of my ex-spouse because of what she or he has done to me. Forgive, forgive me as I forgive others like that kid at school who's just so cruel to me and to others of my friends. Forgiveness isn't just what flows to us, but Jesus says it's to flow through us as well. Why would God want us to forgive? There's a lot of reasons why, but the top reason why God would want you and I to forgive, why God would want you to forgive, is because he loves you so much. If you've got the ball and chain, if you've got a grudge, if you've got a bag full of, of anger and frustration because of the past, God loves you so much, he wants you to be free of that, and he wants you to forgive. It would be his will that you would forgive. It's what God wants. God is not just asking you to forgive the other person so that they would be healed, but God is asking you to forgive so that it would help you to be healed and it would help me to be healed. I go back to my story. <clears throat> my grandfather, I remember hating him hating him. In 1971, I got saved. I already told you that. I led my brother Mike to the Lord when he came down to pick me up in Philadelphia. 
I led my parents to the Lord, my young brother to the Lord. And I led my grandmother and my grandfather on my mother's side. I led old Gramp to know Jesus. Helped him to understand that he needed to be saved. And he did. And I remember in early 2000, uh, 1082, I think it was, my grandfather was in that same trailer. He was eating breakfast. And when my father went to check on him, his face was in the plate of food that he had. And he died. And he went to be with the Lord. I remember that before my grandfather died, that my, my um, grandfather had a pickup truck. He was a big-time construction guy. And, and this is after all of the, the abuse that I was seeing and stuff. God began to do a work in my grandfather's life. And I remember, I remember um, um, that when he would back out of the driveway, it was almost always dark because he would go to work at 4.35 in the morning. And my grandmother would be in the window of the trailer, and my grandfather would roll down his window, turn the light on inside the cab, and my grandmother would have her light on, and the two of them were just waving each other as they're going off, you know. They really loved one another. My, God did something wonderful in my grandfather's life before he went to heaven. To Marianne. As I said a little bit ago, and I mean this, I literally wanted to go and kill that guy for what he did to my wife. But Marianne got saved in 1974. And one of the miracle works that God did in my wife's life was to help her to get through this particular thing in her life. And you, you can ask her, and I know that she spoke to many of you women over the years with this, and, and uh, uh, Mops Moms and all that. She shared this story before, how God had helped her to forgive this individual for what they had done. And Marianne begged me, please don't go and do anything. And I want to let you know, and I'm not too proud of this, I did exactly what she told me to do. I refused to go around this man because I was just so, it was so in me to just do something. And I didn't. And this man went as far as I know. I don't know any better, and I know more to the story than what I'm telling you. I think this guy went into a Christless grave. And it doesn't make me happy. I don't want that for anybody. I don't want that for anybody. And I trust that you don't as well. I'm going to ask you if you would please just bow your heads and close your eyes. Today, I want to let you know that we have to forgive. We have to forgive. And the reason why we have to forgive is because, number one, Jesus told us that we had to. And secondly, I want to say to you, That faith that you already have is going to enable you to do what you need to do. You've just been putting it off to the side. There are some of you who are allowing your family to just fall apart because you're refusing to say something. You're refusing to do something that would bring healing and recovery. And God wants that to change in your life. So I want to challenge you as we close this message off today. First and foremost, that you would consider giving your life to Jesus. Randy Chiz can't do anything for you. Word of Life Church is very limited with what we can do. But Jesus can do anything for you that you would need. Anything, anything, anything that you would need. And I've experienced just about the anything in my life. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to pray a very simple prayer of receiving Christ. And you're not joining my church. You're welcome to come. You don't have to be a member to be attending Word of Life Church. We'd love to have you be with us. 
But I'm going to say a simple prayer, and the simple prayer is a prayer that you could pray. It's, simple to the pr- it's similar to the prayer that I prayed way back in 71 when I gave my life to Jesus in that Roman Catholic church. If you would like to pray this prayer with me, it's going to be very short. I'm going to pray it aloud. I want you to repeat it after me. You can say it aloud with your lips, or you could just move your lips, or you could just say it within your heart and mind. I just want you to connect with Jesus when you say this. And here's what I'm going to say. Dear Lord Jesus, come on, say it with me. Dear Lord Jesus, today I give you my life. I admit to you that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin and become the Lord and leader of my life. I pray in Jesus' name.